0: Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, and my co-host, Ruben, also known as Barefoot Farmer. We're here. It's episode three. Mm -hmm. So before we start, uh, just a quick pre-show announcement. Uh, You can now find us on Google Play and Stitcher. So for those of you who are not only into niche games, but also niche podcasting platforms, we have you covered. We are. Unfortunately, still working on getting accepted to the iTunes store, but hopefully by next week we'll be there too. So uh, we're going to go straight into it. We have a lot to talk about this week. Um, we're pretty excited. It's been a fun a fun week in the new meta, so let's go. So uh, first, uh, card of the week. Uh, my card this week is Begone. It's a one-time spell. Put a unit into its owner's hand gain justice or shadow influence. This card just keeps going up and up for me. Now it's probably one of my top commons and I pick it pretty early if I think I'm going to be in time. It's cheap. I wish it was fast. It's not fast, unfortunately. No matter what uh, tricolor faction I'm in, if even if there's no justice or shadow, I like the card. It's great because so many people are trying to vault trying up in this format that it's often can be you know even though it's just a bounce spell it ends up being like a one for one or a two for one and you're getting it's almost like a removal spell
1: yeah in the right deck it buys you lots of time too yeah if you're more defensive it's good if it's more aggressive it's good
0: i like it okay so ruben
1: yeah we're choosing good cards of the week mine uh is granite acolyte Granite Acolyte is a 2-1 Oni for 3 for just one fire influence that when it's summoned puts a plus 2, plus 0 weapon on a unit. I mean, that's just, it's a great, great card in this format. It does so many different things. It can put the weapon on itself and trade up with a really powerful card, or it can suit up one of your cheap flyers it it i mean the more acolytes you have the better really this this card is i mean it's always been high it's an old card it's been around for quite a while and it's always been good but right now with renown and all these other just very aggressive strategies running around and really efficient easy to find flyers uh it's just really at its best keep your eyes open for granite acolytes the whole A lot of the Acolytes are great, that whole cycle of cards. The uh, Amethyst
0: Acolyte is another card that's great for similar reasons. Yeah, it's interesting, because that one is one that I haven't been particularly high on, but recently I've noticed that it's a card that other people are at least a lot higher on than I am, so I think I'm going to try to draft it a little bit more, but I had just been kind of viewing it by its base rate sort of where you know you're paying three power for a two one and giving something minus one minus one so it's kind of like a a three two for three which is not a card i'm excited about but i think it's a card that i have to start drafting more and playing with to see the flexibility that the minus one minus one must give you that i am not seeing next um We're going to go into our new segment, uh, the 7-Win Run Breakdown. Um, So last week I had talked about a kind of project that we wanted to start here on Farming Eternal, which is starting to collect people's 7-Win deck lists. And uh, first I want to thank and congratulate everyone who submitted a 7-Win deck this week. Uh, We had seven people submit decks, uh, a few of them multiple uh, seven-win decks this week, which is really great. Uh, so I'd like to thank uh, Andrew, James, Dwiggy. We had a couple streamers, uh, eMoneyBags on Twitch, and Grimfan both submitted submitted some deck lists, and uh, YouTube content creator Gao Nan, and then our very own Ruben submitted three deck lists this week. And by the skin of my teeth, I got one uh, seven-win <laughs> seven run in, thankfully. Nice. Yeah. So this uh, coming week, if uh, anyone manages to get uh, any 7-win runs, please send them our way. It's uh, farmingeternal at gmail.com. And I'll put them into our fancy little spreadsheet that I've been using. Uh, It's based on a spreadsheet that Sunnyvale uses to track his own drafts. And I've sort of modified it a little bit to um, suit our needs a little bit better for how we're collecting data. But you can find his if you go to the discord, it's a pinned thing in the draft and you could just download his version of it to track your own deck lists. But you can see our spreadsheet, we'll have a link to it in the show notes and uh, probably on the Reddit post that we'll put up for this episode. Um, but yeah, so we had uh, 14 decks in total uh, submitted by the, those seven people. And uh, I think, Ruben, you wanted to just highlight some of the decks and talk about them for a second?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I figured we we could feature a deck from each person. Let's start it off with Mr. James. This was a Fire Time Primal deck with Triple Trailmaker. (laughs) Okay, this deck's crazy. He had two Display of Instinct, topped out with a Moonstone Vanguard and a Magmatic Sentinel had two oni ronins i'm not surprised that he got seven wins out of this deck at all with really good power uh he even had some banners and a token and uh, a genev merchant as well with five relevant market cards oh a topaz drake in the market that's beautiful we talked about Trailmaker. i think it was in our first episode just about how incredibly strong that card is especially when most of the good decks we're seeing are three faction good stuff piles, he's it he just really shines in this format right now. James here got three of them, so well done. Okay, next. All right, good job, James. That's sweet. Let's see, Gowanon on here sent us a deck, Firetime Primal. So same, same combo. Also a three Trailmaker deck <laughs> with. Uh, oh my God! I, okay, two Carnivorous Sauropods. Also has a makeshift barrier. Oh, Scorpion Wasp is an exceptional card in this format right now. Siege Breaker is a bomb. Colossal Terriax, two Conflagrates, and a Display of end string. And, oh, Maddening Whisper. This is a card I'm really, really high on right now. It's super powerful and swingy. It just ends games out of nowhere. You can just bounce their whole team if you have enough power. And it looks like this deck is also similar to the last one playing kind of a slower, more defensive game with, you know, having some big sentinels and a makeshift barrier and uh, trail makers to speed you up to those big cards. Oh, two Lumen defenders too. Okay. Way to go. Good job, it. That's a sweet, <laughs> sweet list. See, next year's. And this was the only one of the bunch. And what we might talk about this a little later the only deck out of the entire group that was more than three factions which i don't want to say i told you so but i think i feel like a couple episodes like, i don't remember when 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 i said it but i feel like i i said i wasn't having any success when i went outside of three factions and yeah. it looks like all the decks except yours were but after looking at the deck you had four strangers and a bannerman on color so it wasn't really that crazy of a stretch for you Two seek powers to be gone like yeah. it
0: wasn't as big of a stretch to to dip into an extra color i had two sleighs uh so that's that was kind of my justice splash and then i opened a howling katar and with all of that fixing i was like well might as well try this and it ended up working pretty well so that was good
1: but you had some good two-drops, too. That Armadillo, Amaran Armadillo, is great. It's kind of weird how just that two-drop, if it just stays in play, can just net you an insane amount of value. Just makes all of your guys bigger and gives them endurance. Yeah, a Mantisar with endurance. That sounds scary. So that was really cool. I like that you, you managed to go outside the box. Andrew, with the Xenon deck here, which we can talk about. Thank you, Andrew, for sending this in. Sweet. Uh has two Amethyst Acolytes, three on Eggs, a Cairndon Merchant, also a really cool-looking market for that Cairndon Merchant. Three Scorpions, and a Pillar of Amar that they can play defense for. And Arista. Do a lot of attacking, too. Yeah, Pillar of Dreams, also. That's very interesting. This might be the only deck I've seen with that in it. Um, Get results, so that's really cool. A five-power Relic is a hard thing to... Play around and experiment with for, let me pull up pillar real quick okay so pillar is the five power relic for two shadow influence when a unit goes to your void your other units get plus one in power so if you're throwing a lot of bodies at the opponent that, that card can really get out of hand pretty fast i would imagine it's something i'll be looking at in the future it's pretty cool so thank you andrew for sending that in. Okay, so we also have... let do one of E-Money's decks. Here's a Time Primal Shadow deck. Oh, this is the one where you said he did seven or 19 power <laughs> <laughs> without realizing it. Still, you know, got the seven wins.
0: Yeah, this is one where I was, like, scratching my head on what he was going for. And then it uh, turns out he accidentally just put 19 power in it. Without realizing it.
1: It had a 46-card 40, deck. It obviously didn't affect it too badly.
0: Yep, still got there.
1: Yeah, this is a cool-looking deck. Worm Calling, Annihilate,
0: two honey pots with some decent... Okay, and then I was thinking uh, deck 12 is Dwiggies, or dwiggy. This is a Time
1: Shadow Primal. Wow, yeah, this is a great, great one. Uh, had a good just variety of early units was playing just a total of 20 units oh, all erected on egg it's another unit had permafrost oh and chalice Chalice. <laughs> there we go and then he said yeah, chalice uh, is, is pretty busted in this format yeah in my okay. experience when you get it going it's it's not hard to build around
0: uh the the one thing i wanted to point out about this deck is uh in his email he said he put a dread in there just uh, to try it because he hadn't used it before, and it performed about as pro- poorly as he assumed it would. <laughs> so he still got the seven wins, but he does not recommend Dread.
1: Dread is the the Zenan rare <laughs> that has Charge, where you sack it and then get another unit from your. That's it's a perfect example yeah. of a very situational card. Mm-hmm. The the Pledge looks great. But it has to be in your opening hand for that to be relevant whatsoever. But this Yeah, this deck's really cool. And it has the Elder Astrologer, the, the Flying Elf Mage. It's the 4-4 four, four Flying for 5 that Summon give one of your other units, plus 1 in Lifesteal for each of your units. That card's just really powerful. Uh, yeah, so thank you, Dwiggy, for sending it. Dwiggy had, had 3 decks mm-hmm. they sent in. So that's awesome. And then let's go with Grimfan's deck. Uh, Grimfan's a great streamer for those of you who aren't aware. He's, he's very popular. He's just a really, he's very fun to watch. He's such a methodical drafter and player. Really likes to talk through what he's doing and, you know, answers questions and stuff. He's a good person to, to learn from as well. And he sent in a saucy looking deck that is Fire, Justice, Shadow. This, With the fire just being a light splash. Yeah, the fire is for display and conflagrate. So it's this is largely a, an argent port deck, but um, he's got really solid early drops. Heirloom Seeker is a uncommon that I'm really really happy to draft. That does really it does really good blocking as a one three for two, and having the ability to get unblockable and plus one is really strong. Yeah, I've, I've been really happy drafting that. And he snagged two of them and had Seraph's Beacon to help activate them. And had three Letharai Intimidators. So that's something to note. That card has gotten so much better with the buff, in my opinion, going up to 2-4 and also being just the one shadow influence mm-hmm. has has improved its stock a lot as a 4-drop. It's so, so much more consistent and does a lot more work when you play it now. And and that's something that I think is really important in the format right now to keep pay attention to your influence requirements and to be careful about going too many directions with it because, like we've been saying for a while now, you know, you many of these cards make you choose your influence like the tokens and the bannermen, and it just you you want to be looking at your hand and being able to make those decisions really easily right off the bat and say, oh, I just need one shadow. One justice and one of this, you know, or and and be able to make those decisions fairly quickly and easily for the smoothness of your decks.
0: This is this is a really cool Grim fan. I like this. Yeah, and he has one of my favorite cards in both draft and constructed, uh, memory dredger.
1: Yeah. That's oh beautiful. boy.
0: When you can untap with that. <laughs> he's got so
1: many ways to abuse it but he's got a magenta wisp with the yeah. memory dredger he just can machine gun down a creature every a unit every single turn with a memory dredger yeah that's and bring back Carandon stewart over and over again that's yeah. that's really cool pretty sweet yeah coastal diplomat also just for repeat silence effects and stuff can talk about one of my decks oh well,
0: see I, I, thought I, were, I, had, I thought you were i thought you were going to skip yours to try to be all humble but no, no
1: you're uh, safe no, no, you're no, saving
0: no. it for last
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely not no, i wanna i wanna I, I i had fun i i actually have gotten three seven o's in the last couple weeks which is crazy i mean do you want to do your deck five the
0: fire time primal one
1: yeah is that the one with two moon dials this is a pretty crazy deck It's got Monolith Guardian, Shadowlands, Border Scout, so Monolith Guardian's the plus six plus six if you have a relic, and Mm -hmm. I managed to pull together a couple of Moondials, like midway through the third pack, that was pretty wild. (laughs) It, It might be a little greedy to have gone for it, I also have a seasoned Spelunker, which can go and get me a relic, so I technically had three ways to get a relic, but... This is funny. This is a funny deck because it looks kind of aggressive, um, and plays the two moon dials. And I found that it wasn't the deck wasn't doing anything necessarily super broken. It just was kind of out grinding people with just holding on by a thread with Frostwave and conflagrate. Um, but I also had some good two drops: noble main and resolute monk. Uh, three three on color strangers. So it it just was very consistent. It just did its thing. Yoten Hurler, Shogun Scepter, Permafrost. Those are all just pretty solid cards. Thanks for sending those. That was really cool, everyone. It's, It's awesome to have you guys involved. And, you know, the more people we can get involved and get their deck lists in the system, the more data we have to work with.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to highlight a few things that I noticed with the uh, 14 decks um, that we got. One of the things that was interesting is Time was sort of the dominant color. It was in 11 of the 14, followed by Shadow, which uh, was in 9 of the 14, and 1 Splash. So 10 of the 14 decks had Shadow in it. And 5 of the decks were uh, Aurelian. Uh, decks. But interestingly, none of them leaned hard into Relics. I mean, they had their Relics, they had a couple, a little bit of Synergy, but none of them were by any means a Relic Synergy deck. The other thing, Justice was the least represented color with only five decks plus uh, my splashing of Justice for Howling Katar. So what this kind of made me think and i'd like to hear your opinion about this is rakano and skycrag base decks um, made up sort of the few the sort of the fewest of the decks even though i think a lot of people consider them sort of the most powerful sort of base colors to be in and i'm wondering if maybe that has to do with people overdrafting them and therefore them being a little less open which is leaving uh time shadow and especially shadow you know most people i think consider shadow the weakest color actually doing really well at least in the sample that we
1: got yeah i think it oh this kind of opens up a really interesting discussion just about what what if is there a meta game in a draft format in something like you know, drafting an eternal, and and I think to a certain degree there is there. I mean, those card evaluations everyone is doing are always kind of in flux. And I think that that myself and a lot of other people initially would have said, I I can remember <laughs> saying this after my first few days of drafting that set is basically you should you should practically force the renown deck. It's so good. There's no reason to draft anything else. It's just really strong and i i felt like it might have been true at that moment in time because everybody was still kind of practicing and figuring things out and i felt like i had just sort of stumbled into something that had been working really well and and but that can change over time like you're saying that it's possible more people are keeping their eyes open for these uh Recano and skycrag based decks and because of that it's just thinning out the the cards for everyone, um, which is leaving open some of these Xenon strategies, which that's, that's really cool that Xenon is right now the, at least with our data, this is a, not a, a huge data set we're working with. We'll, we'll you know, admit that. Yeah, enough, but, that's, but that's
0: not going to stop us from making broad declarative statements. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's what we do. I feel like. Time and Shadow seem to be open. Like, that's just such a... Xenon just feels like a very flexible spot to be in. So, you know, starting with Xenon and then being able to have that third color be Justice or Primal, both of which have really good cards, just feels like you can just make a very powerful deck out of that.
1: Especially since you mentioned you're the type of person who likes to draft bigger stuff and kind of a more mid-range draft deck which I, I feel like whatever your preference is you can find that lane somewhere in a draft typically it yeah. might not always be the best but you can always find a good aggressive deck somewhere when you're drafting and you can always find a good control or decent controlling deck um, it's just increasing your repertoire of the types of decks you know how to play in draft I think is the cool thing to stay kind of open to when you're playing and drafting eternal as and and i think that might be why we're starting to see these seven wind decks kind of stretching away from what we were initially seeing people are kind of expanding their horizons and figuring out some of the other powerful
0: effects and commons and uncommons as we're getting through it so like i said the we're going to have a link to the spreadsheet in the show notes and and uh on the episode post for, on the Reddit episode post for this podcast. Um, so you can kind of poke around with it, look at everyone's de- deck lists, and kind of just, it's just, I think, pretty interesting just to look at. Okay, and so this leads us, I think, well into our main topic, which is just going to be a quick uh, try Color Faction overview. And uh, we'll just kind of give some very brief thoughts, I think. And then, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the relic deck, the uh, the Aurelian relic deck. And, um, and then I think we'll go through a couple more of the uh, tri faction um, decks over the next coming weeks. But we'll just, since this is the first one, we'll just do a quick overview. Let's uh, just quickly go over the tri color factions. So there's uh, Geneve, or Instinct, and Geneve is Primal, and then Fire. Time, fire time primal, and that's the amplify deck. There's a uh, Ixton, or also known as honor, which is the renowned deck, and ixten, which is a uh, fire justice primal. There's uh, the dreaded winchest, also known as ambition, which is the go wide strategy, and that's the strategy that um, supposedly got uh, buffed a lot in this um, in the latest patch, and uh, that's a uh, fire justice shadow. There's a uh, karendan also known as vision which is the empower deck which is time justice shadow there's aurelian our knowledge which is the relic uh, based strategy and that is time primal shadow yeah so first question uh what would you say is the the best of the tricolor factions that you're looking to go into oh man
1: you know i think it's 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 changed a lot this recent patch did kind of help uh even the playing field a lot so i think it has it's changed significantly from the last week i i feel like last week before the patch i would have actually been able to give you a really solid <laughs> tier like power ranking of the different factions. and right now i think they're all really close to each other which is pretty rare for a draft format um and i'm i'm excited by it honestly it's really cool that you can make any of them seem to work um i i would say the relic deck while i have been excited about it and talking about it i i i know that uh my my excitement i don't want to get it misconstrued for me um saying it's the best deck or anything you can possibly get i just like you know, wanted to point out that it was a thing that was possible <laughs> that 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 you know was was fun and could win games. I don't think it's the best thing you can do because of the limitations of being a, a synergistic, like a deck that relies on on having the different pieces come together, kind of like you know a simple sort of combo. Just you need to have relics and. The payoffs and if you don't if you get one without the other you just are left with some ridiculously awkward draws and stuff one of our friends who's been commenting on our reddit posts your soulmate sent us in a deck um a relic deck that uh was basically as good as it gets um
0: yeah the only uh thing with the power rankings is again it's uh interesting because i do feel like most people are still thinking that Ixton, the renowned deck is the best deck which is not fitting the pattern from from our small sample size of seven win decks and the other thing is you know the Go Wide, the Winchester deck, I feel like got a lot of tools this last set, but I still, I personally am still not really feeling that deck. I don't know. I don't know if you've been, you've been, you've done a lot more drafts, so I don't know if you've been I, seeing.
1: I'm still not big on the rats because they can't block. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's my take on at least going heavy on the Scavage theme decks. Yeah. It, it did make certain cards better. Like we talked about the, um, I think the Intimidator. And that, that card has gotten so much better. But that wasn't particularly just for the go wide strategies, but also just any deck with shadow got better
0: because of that. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I feel I, like I've seen a few more copies of the deck in the queues, but I'm still not still doesn't excite me much as as a sort of a synergy strategy.
1: Probably suffers from similar
0: issues that the Relic
1: deck suffers from, where if you, you know, just draw scavenges and without some of the good payoffs, you're just left with a board of rats that don't, they don't attack well and they don't block at all. So they're just really kind of useless. It's still possible to pull it off. We just haven't personally gotten one yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this Relic deck. Are uh, just relic decks in general. So a few uh, quick, a few quick stats uh, for everyone. I went through and looked at sort of what uh, relics there were in the um, in the set and in the draft packs. Also, what uh, payoffs there were, just to give you a sense of how many cards we're really working for, working with. In set five, there are 15 relics in uh, uncommon and common. And then in the draft packs, there's another 11 relics. In the defiance packs, there's 17 cards that care about relics. And in the draft pack, there are three, with one of them being Amaran Shoveler, and I'm not sure, I don't even know how many relics you would need for me to want to play that card. Yeah, you'd need some sentinels too, probably. So I guess, Ruben, I mean... I don't know how much this has changed because I know at least pre patch, you know, you were you were saying you were doing really well with uh with this deck. Um so I don't know how many times you've drafted drafted it this week, but um what cards do you consider signals? And like sort of at what point in a draft are you thinking, hey, maybe I can go sort of hard into the synergy of a relic deck? Um, I I'd say there
1: there's it's, it's pretty hard because consuming greed getting better, is really, I mean, if you're not seeing that card, it's, at that point you're playing things like honey pot, because I I think the most powerful payoff like relic matters cards in defiance, are things like Acantha's outrider being a three three flyer for three, is strong and also Sirocco gliders getting turned on, by having a relic and. Becoming two five flyers for four, so just some of those commons that you see late become—they're useless for so many decks, except the ones that you're picking up the relics. And so, I think the signals are the relics themselves a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. Like like seeing a pitfall trap or a porcelain mask getting past some of these cards is usually a sign that it's you know not something that's you know being forced or highly desired by anyone Mm -hmm. and and i I think i'm hesitant to to say this but it's it's not a deck that's (laughs) the it's it could be open and still not come together you know what i mean like you could the the deck itself there could be pieces of it flowing and the purse people to your right might not have been trying to draft relic decks at all, but it still might not come together. So, I think you you really have to have, you know, the you see the early consuming greeds and pitfall traps and things like that to start considering it. because mm-hmm. um, it, it there yeah, that's that's basically it, it's, and then when we were talking moving into the draft pack the 11 so we have 11 commons and uncommon relics and some of them are quite good like very strong like amber ring is a really powerful card um in this specific deck both both in the fact that it's a playable relic that costs three and makes honey pots and things do more damage Um, but also being able to pump out a one one every turn is really great
0: yeah, I um, feel like in the um, in the um, draft packs, time really has the lion's share of good relics.
1: Yeah, Wormstone, Infinite Hourglass, Moon Dial, even Cryptic Etchings is playable in the Relic deck if you yeah. get a couple couple activations and then sack it to a Consuming Greed. You won't be able to read any sort of Relic deck sy- synergies in the second and third packs because it's not really a thing. Like we were saying, the the payoff cards in the rel- in the actual draft packs are just lucky prospector, seasoned spelunker, and and shoveler. That's that's it. So that's you know those cards are really like especially seasoned spelunker, very strong in the relic deck. But
0: yeah, um, yeah. There is also the time shot or the time fire guy, but I didn't put it in there because it's not in the Aurelian colors. So, I think uh, what we should do is uh, first uh, thank uh, your soulmate on Reddit for letting us use his draft to kind of go through it and then at the end we'll kind of just go over what his deck looked like and maybe think about sort of an ideal world if there's anything that we would change or add to make it a better sort of Relic Synergy deck. Let's take a seat at the table here and um, let's do this. So pack one pick one uh, cards in contention there's a hidden road smuggler which is the jun port um, smuggler it has uh, it's a three justice shadow life steal uh, it allows you to access your black market um, there's also a leftthry intimidator and a oni samurai and he took smuggler and I think that's probably an easy pack one pick one right oh yeah
1: yeah merchants are really good Smugglers and non-smugglers, they're all amazing.
0: Okay, so then pack uh, pack one, pick two. Uh, cards in contention are Auric re- Weaponsmith. Uh, it's four Justice 3-3. Three, three. When you play weapon, it gets plus one, plus one. Uh, carnivorous Sauropod, Token am- Ambition, and co- Coastal Huntsman. He took uh, the Carnivorous Sauropod here. I think I would have taken the Auric Weaponsmith. To be honest, it sort of stays on color. You know, the carnivorous sauropod is the you know, you now have a rainbow of colors in your picks. Um, I don't know, would you do you think the carnivorous sauropod is that powerful? Yeah, this
1: is this is one of those picks where and and the, a lot of people have different philosophies on some of these early picks. And mm-hmm. I I think you could go different ways. I've seen other people. I think even I watched um, Galanon's recent draft, and he chose to pick a slightly less powerful card in his second pick just because it went with his much better first pick. And I think that's a perfectly respectable way to to do it, too. And here, taking the Sarapod, the Sarapod's definitely the like most powerful and flexible of all the cards. And it, this early in a draft, I think it is fair to take just the best card that you see um, though though, I think your argument for following up a, a Hidden Road Smuggler with you know, a on-color card that's perfectly fine and Weaponsmith is not wrong at all I think Weaponsmith is good and I think Smugglers are very powerful too so, yeah, yeah. I don't think any, any of those directions would
0: have been particularly wrong it's
1: kind of just a matter of your personal personal taste, yeah yep
0: you know, yeah. Again, I, I think I I value the being open a lot more. I I still get very nervous with the uh, the tricolor cards, and especially picking them early. I really shy away from that. Um, okay. So pack one, pick three uh, cards in contention are Blood Quill. That's the two shadow pay two to get life or pay two to get life steal, life steal. There's Gilded Flames, that's uh, four, fire, uh, deal two damage to an enemy. If the unit is killed this way, transform it and draw a treasure trove. There's a Bannerman, and there's a Consuming Greed. So what are you thinking of this pack? Well, they took Consuming Greed, I think, for science.
1: I'm glad they did, (laughs) because this this is someone who, who had been listening to our previous podcast, so they were stoked to try it, I think, I what it sounds like. And they're like, all right, all right, well, I'll give well, it a shot. And it was, just I think the, the,
0: yeah. it was just buff, so I think, you know, you're pretty excited. Yeah, it's the Bannerman is the disciplined
1: pick here, but the Consuming Greed is, like, the fun, oh, yeah, I'm going to make this work sort of pick, because yeah. it's, it's such a good card when it happens.
0: So... Yep, so your soulmate went and it turns it. out it is your soulmate went straight with <laughs> head first into this relic deck, taking Consuming Greed here. Pick four, cards in contention, Sudden Schism, that's the four Primal Primal, play a copy of one of your units, fast spell. There's a Rat Cage, which is the one shadow when you play a relic, including Rat Cage, play a 1-1 rat that can't block. Another Bannerman, an Oni Samurai and uh Asentha's outrider so there's definitely you know a couple relic um, relic and relic matters cards there's two strong you know blue cards in here he took the rat cage I think yeah. based off of um, based off of you know having consuming greed uh, he was he was going all in in the relics and you know instead of picking another payoff card he wanted to make sure he got the used relics early. I'm assuming. I think uh, again, the discipline pick for me is probably bannerman, and I think yeah. I I would still just have I would I would still be very open. I think uh, in this draft, having just the hidden smuggler, a weaponsmith, and then two bannermen.
1: Yeah, I think rat, rat cage isn't exactly rat cage. Is kind of a last um, ditch sort of effort type of card where you you're trying to make your relic synergies come together and you're just a little short on relics because mm-hmm. I think so many other relics are are just better like Pitfall Trap and Frost Talisman. Those yeah. are really what you want to be looking for. Yeah, I think I would have foregone the rat cage here for Bannerman or the acanthus Outrider. I think those are the two I would mm-hmm. have gone with. Just just assuming that we're still not he did take the consuming greed, so He's very excited about drafting the deck, and I don't I don't blame him at all for picking the rat cage because <laughs> the, the draft that they end up with is pretty nutty in my opinion. It's yeah. it's really they got all of the cards. Um, I just don't think rat cage
0: here was. <laughs> so now we're on uh, pick five. Uh, there's a porcelain mask that's two time. Your units have overwhelms. Uh, summon silence a unit in the enemy hand. Uh, resilient Wagoneer... Uh, Scavenge, uh, Bannerman, Bear Arms, and Coastal Recruit are, I think, the uh, sort of best cards in this pack. And he took the Porcelain Mask, which I think is one of the better relics, and if you're you you're know, if you're really going for the deck, you're probably pretty happy to see this. A lot happier yeah. than Rat Cage. I mentioned the other cards just because there were, you know, I think I'm just going to talk about this a lot, and this is no slight to your soulmate, but their Justice seemed to be very open as we go through these packs and that's sort of i think the direction my draft would have headed which is one of the fun things i think you know you can have a draft go in so many different directions and still end up with a pretty good deck in the end so yeah i think i think somebody's getting some really
1: late Bannerman.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i know <laughs> and from, that's from the thing rafters. is
0: if a bannerman's good enough third pick and good enough fourth pick it's probably good enough fifth pick.
1: Yeah. So, but, but here I, I agree with the porcelain mask. Yeah, it's, it's a really strong card, and it's such a good uh, setup into a consuming greed.
0: So packs or pick six. There's uh, in the pack. There's resilient wagoneer. There's uh, Sorakos glider, an aerial spotter, and consuming greed. And he took consuming greed, going all in. I think there's. Would you say Consuming Greed is just better than Sirocco's Glider and the Relic deck?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say so. I mean, there's certain styles of decks. I think the where the Sirocco Glider you'll need is something defensive to buy you time. But if you're topping out with Consuming Greeds and stuff, it's just much better. It gives you a
0: lot of health and toughness and for four. Yeah, I just mentioned the resilient wagoneer and aerial spotter because they're kind of in my colors and how this draft is going. (laughs) Um, So uh, next pack, that's uh, pick seven. There's another consuming greed, a Honeypot, and an Oni forge master, and a and a maddening whisper, and a coastal huntsman. That's
1: those are all very very powerful cards. Yeah. Yeah. And they went with the
0: third is the third or the fourth consuming. Third consuming greed. (laughs) greed. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And, and we don't go through any more in uh, this pack, but he does pick up uh, another Consuming Greed and Unearth the Past, uh, Moth, and uh, Astromancy's Compass. So, nice. really Moth. a lot Moth of good. Well, not a good. I, I take that back. He's a, lo- a lot of re- relic cards and relic payoff cards. Again, I mostly kind of went through this because with the or- the Oni Forge Master going pick seven seems uh, pretty late to me and I feel like I would have, since I'm in Justice, I would have uh, snap-picked the only forge master there, I think. Like I said, he uh, then picked up another Consuming Greed, so four Consuming Greeds, and Unearth the Past, uh, a Moth, and an Astromancy's Compass. So going into pack two um, choices are Amber Ring, that's uh, three time, once per turn you may pay three to play a 1-1 explorer, and then that's really it for his deck i think
1: maybe a lightning strike but
0: yeah yeah amber Amber ring is
1: beautiful and yeah yeah with with four consuming greeds amber ring having it it, both if he picks up honey pots or anything late in pack four there's a lot of cards that just go well with this and it's just a card that's good on its own as well
0: yeah and then with my deck there's an (laughs) jin's <laughs> choice that I am uh, snap picking here. Oh, so, over over Emerald Ring. I don't know. I, it's I pretty think close. So. Yeah, That's... no, I agree. There's also an. I mean, I did put Emerald Ring in the uh, cards of attention. Yeah, detention. yeah but think... if you're if you're solidly in Rakano, I I wouldn't blame you. Yeah,
1: that card's very flexible, and being able to kill an attachment is really good too in a lot of situations.
0: No, I uh, Emerald Ring. I actually kind of consider a bomb too. I really like that card, so yeah. maybe I don't snap pick. I actually, yeah, I mostly said snap pick because I figured you would snap pick it. Because I feel like I'm overly high on Emerald Ring. But...
1: <laughs> no, I like that card too. I think it's great. But now I've that I've seen Iijin's it run away with games,
0: yeah. Now that Ijin's choice is a fast spell, it's just it just feels so backbreaking to have someone like play that end of your turn and then just put a fourth a 4-4 weapon on one of their guys. Yeah, on or, or they can use it to kill a weapon in combat. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Okay, so next is pack 2, pick 2. Cards in contention are another ai choice, a Seek Power, a Dispel, and gruan form. And uh, <clears throat> your soulmate took Seek Power, which I think, considering their deck, is a pretty uh, smart pick there. Yeah, I don't I don't
1: think you can we were gonna discuss maybe relics and which factions you wanna be in for a good relics deck, and the answer is really you have to be in those all three Aurelian colors a lot of times to make it work. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so much of the power is spread around those all three of those factions almost evenly that it makes it really hard to pull off just a straight, you know scenic, two color with a yeah. yeah. It'd be really tough. So, uh, yeah, seat power
0: is really good for the stick. That's what they took, and that was a disciplined good pick. Yep, and since I have three Bannermen, I took with Ijin's choice here. Next is pack two, pick three. Uh, There's Wisdom of the Elder, Elysian Stranger, and Changey Stick. Uh, Pretty easy Changey Stick, I think. It got a a tiny nerf
1: a while back, but it's it has proved to still be a very strong, flexible card. Yeah. Um, just giving something flying and
0: plus one, plus one for two can be back-breaking a lot of games. Yep, and I'm still feeling... I'm going to keep saying this, but I'm still feeling great about my Ixtend Duck here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. what, you would have picked up an Oni Ronin here? No, oh, no I think a changi- I would have... Changey Stick, yeah. That's yeah, right. I would have taken the Changey Stick, I think. I mean, Oni Ronin probably is in contention, but... You know, I don't know. It's, I'm still uh, I am still living in uh, set four times where you just don't pass a change, you stick. Yeah, it, you still want to pick it most games. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next, a uh, little less interesting once I yeah, like you like we were saying the um these draft packs are just tough for the relic deck. I think so. You're just kind of you're really hoping to leave these within a couple amber rings and a couple, and a, a whole bunch of fixing, I think. So yeah, that's, uh,
1: that's true. And they filled out their deck with a banner here, which is good. Yep. Because yep. like we are saying, those you got to get all your influence in order. Because, the, yeah, the Defiance is where the magic happens with Consuming
0: Greeds and some of the good early relics. And then uh, this next pick, Cards in Contention. So this is uh, pick five, pack two. There's an Ageless Sentinel, an Aractodon, uh, a spear diver, Valkyrie arcanist, and Skycrow. He took the Aractadon. Um mm-hmm. I think I probably, if considering the cards that um, your soulmate had, I probably would have taken ageless Sentinel. I like that a little bit more than Aroctodon, but
1: yeah, I think you're you're probably right there. D- the double time influence isn't too big of a problem some of the fixing there i've already picked up here Mm -hmm. and i i think maybe there is an argument for spear diver um over on potentially just as a a way to both stop flyers and maybe chip in your own flyer damage too though i guess this is a we're looking at a four four times consuming greed (laughs) deck so maybe (laughs) they weren't really as worried about it about the flyers yeah Yeah, I don't think this this pick was you know, super important either way. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, I was just still liking the justice cards in that uh, in that pack. Okay, Uh, your soulmate gave a little post to post pack two analysis, and uh, they said we have four consuming greeds and five relics to sacrifice to them so far. We have a handful of other units besides that big things i'm looking for now are more removal and units with big butts to hold the ground and actually now that he says that i do that does lead me to the spear diver or the ageless sentinel a little bit more above because that's kind of just what he's or what they're looking for okay so pack three pick one they take a Trailmaker. pack three pick two take annihilate i think those are both easy ones in that next was pack three pick three there's an Elysian banner, a xenon stranger, Inspire obedience, and they took Inspire obedience. I was just, I, I just highlighted this one because I was just wondering, uh, mostly because I wanted to talk about Inspire obedience and uh, hear your opinion on that one.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's an acceptable card, but I don't think it's uh, better than the stranger or the banner here. Um, though, like they were saying, they were kind of low on removal at this point and mm-hmm. y- you do want some ants an answer somewhere as, uh, for most of your drafts um, yeah either that or to be doing something more powerful than your opponent
0: yeah they didn't um, just pick up and annihilate which i think would have taken would would have definitely taken me off the inspire obedience and i was just wondering if that's where you would be too
1: yeah, I, I would have gone with The Stranger, um, but I could see an argument for Inspire Obedience too. I know that it's he's thinking through his deck at this point and, and envisioning that a lot of these games are going to be grindy and kind of going along with them probably chipping away with consuming greeds and stuff while they hold the ground with big things. And um, Inspire Obedience is a good way to <clears throat> break through and win the game. Um, but I, I really
0: I like Strangers a lot. Okay, so uh, just the last couple couple cards we'll talk about here is uh, Pack 4, Pick 1. There's a Reinforced Town Shield and a Flickerling uh, as for the Relic deck. And I guess an Unearthed Pass, though they already have one, so I'm not sure that you need two of those. I was just wondering, <laughs> uh, is Reinforced Tower Shield ever
1: the place you want to be? It, it sometimes you have to. Like I said with Rat Gage earlier, they're they're kind of in the same boat mm-hmm. in my eyes. They I, I think Tower Shield might be slightly better. Uh, just because it fixes also. Um so mm-hmm. it can it can help you get to your consuming greeds and stuff. Um Yeah. But it, it also can die before you even get to your consuming greed, so it's yeah. You got you got better relics you're aiming for, though. I'd say with this pick specifically, it's I,
0: I think that it was still the
1: correct pick to go with the tower shield. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I think
0: I would have gone with the flickerling just because I feel like flying is where you want to be in this format, and uh, you know it's you know it's not as good as the locust, but it's pretty close.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's good too. I, I forget what their relic count. I suppose that would be the the critical decision yeah. point at this at this stage, is how, how many relics you think you're going to end up with, and how many you need to make your deck good. I think you you want, if you're really heavy heavily bent on the consume and greed plan, you probably want four to five, roughly relics. Mm-hmm. Um, and once and, uh, you start getting more than that, you have you risk. Getting some hands that are just absolutely terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you, just, you draw all your relics or something, and yeah, you know you're not developing your board necessarily as much as other players.
0: Yeah, and based on this next pick um, uh, that we're gonna go over, I think they were still worried about the number of relics they had. But yeah. I just wanted to say there's a crown watch captain in this pack, so I'm over this world with how my oh, craft yeah. is going.
1: Yeah, premium crown watch captain.
0: But no, they were disciplined instead of premium. (laughs) It's exactly what we preach on this show, right? Instead of the premium crown watch captain, they took their reinforced tower shield, uh, pack four, pick one. That is some discipline. I feel like I've misled this person. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very interesting looking deck. Um, If you follow the link in our uh, episode two, comment section you could see what their deck ended up as and it's it's definitely a cool looking deck so anyway so pack four uh pick two there's a red canyon smuggler there's a cliff diver Mantasaur, there's a tumbling sloth and there's a frost talisman and they took the frost talisman and that leads me to think that they're worried about their relic count because there's some pretty good cards in that pack yeah, even even not. yeah, yeah. Mantisar is the one that sticks out the most. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tumbling Sloth is also no slouch, I think. Right.
1: Oh yeah, very good. It's yeah, it's no Mantisar, but it, it you definitely would throw it in this deck. But yeah, I think Frost Talisman uh, is definitely going to make the deck at this point with having four consuming greeds. Um, yeah, you're you're absolutely going to need it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it was this is uh, a a weird moment where you're passing something that's just objectively so much better for something that just is necessary for your deck to
0: go off properly. Then uh, finally, in the rest of pack four, uh, they got a Porcelain Mask, a fifth Consuming Greed. And the interesting thing about their fifth Consuming Greed is they took it over an improvised club. And I feel like maybe by the time you're at your fifth Consuming Greed and you're a little worried about removal maybe the improvised club is just like a pick you make just to like just in case it's it feels like it's more likely to make your deck than the fifth consuming greed though though i've said that having never uh, drafted five consuming greeds
1: before yeah it's it's a uncharted territory they went into here
0: their uh, final deck uh, they only played and i think maybe this is where sort of the wheels fell off they had Only 12 units. They had uh, eight attachments and uh, seven spells. And um, they said they ended up doing a lot worse than they had hoped. The deck didn't really do anything without Consuming Greed. Um, But usually my opponents were able to deal with it and I ended up only going 2-3. I was very disappointed and hoped to do much better.
1: Yeah, I think the deck was definitely better than that. Um, It had easily the possibility to win seven games but um i'd say the only thing i'd know here is i think they went they had too many relics almost uh, mm-hmm. they, like just by a tiny margin here because they had double mes- uh, mesmerized moth so i count those also in your relic count yeah so they had two of those and then a compass a rat cage a talisman double porcelain mask tower shield amber ring so that's four, five, six, seven, nine, and I think you, it's a little lo- slightly overkill. Yeah, um, giving you a better chance of having those awkward um, hands where you have just too many porcelain masks or something in your hand that aren't that are just silencing something, and they're still going to play it and <laughs> and kill you with it if you don't do much else. So yeah, it's this deck was really draw reliant, you know. On having a good balance of its cards for everything to come together, so I, I think it's it's one of those types of decks that can either really do something powerful or potentially do something really bad.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, I do think there were like a I don't I, I don't mean to sound like critical of the deck. It's just uh, because they did ask for you know they had a thread about asking for advice about what people thought about their deck so it was just interesting going through the picks and seeing like there were probably a couple more you know pretty solid creatures that they could have picked off picked up in their draft uh that were on color and then maybe you know dropped the astromancer's compass and the reinforced tower shield to lower their attachment count a little bit and uh you know raise their unit thing um, you know, they also have a violent gust. I don't know how you feel about that card. Um, it's,
1: the, it's actually, that would be a funny one to make a card of the day. Cause there's a lot of opinions about that as far mm-hmm. as, um, how, how, where you want to be picking it up and whether you want to play. I think it's, it's very playable, but it's not, yeah, you know, it's a situational card.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. But that's, it's, yeah. Especially with this deck, though, where you have uh, one, five, six, seven, seven flyers, plus a changey stick you you have the air just as clogged up as you have the ground in a sense, and some you know, and that card just stands out to me as a card that maybe this deck in particular doesn't really need.
1: Yeah, or or you could argue it does need it to clear the way for its tiny flyers <laughs> uh, that's
0: that's true okay um, yeah
1: it's it's a it's a i have, i've heard differing opinions on it i i personally don't bother with them because i am very scared of cards that uh, aren't always gonna do something for me i think that that generally speaking cards are on a spectrum of of narrowness versus flexibility you know where you've got on the absolute utmost and like something like display of ambition is just a card that does almost anything and everything you could possibly want it to kill something. It brings back two guys or pumps your team gets overwhelmed. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got some super narrow cards that hose a certain deck or, you know, something like the edge, you know, gavel or a card that <laughs> has very narrow applications, except in certain situations. And I think, even in draft, a lot of the same principles kind of apply. Uh, on my, That's just how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that if you're looking for another playable card and you're having to stretch yourself, that, that's a very
0: reasonable place to go, something like Violent Gust. Well, once again, uh, thank you uh, to your soulmate. Um, and also, uh, anyone else, if you guys want to put in the work and take pictures of a bunch of your picks... And uh, maybe a few words about the deck, um, and post that in the comments or make your own thread and link, like uh, like your soulmate did, and link to it in our comments. And uh, we could potentially talk about it in one of our shows. Uh, I think this was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's always it's also always interesting to see, you know, to sort of have a retrospective on other people's drafts and see where you could go or where you could take it. I mean. Like, even this draft, I think, you know, there's a few points where you could have, you know, tweaked it to make a slightly better relic deck, I think. And then also, I mean, I like I like you said, I think your soulmate did this more for science than to win. But, you know, there really seemed to be a really nice Rakano-based deck uh, it, there for the taking in these draft picks. And so I, I'm glad we were able to point that out. Let's go to our second draft. Uh, this draft is actually the deck that I 7-2'd with. And we're just going to go over a couple picks, just because I think there's a few uh, interesting picks to talk about. And uh, sort of maybe talk, even though I did get seven wins, I think there, were, there was a, a few picks where I went in a direction that maybe I didn't necessarily need to go. So pack one, pick one. Uh, there's a Thrashing Doom Worm. Um, which is four time, time, three, four. Your units with killer have plus one, plus one. Amplify two, give one of your units killer. And it's a legendary. There's uh, also a Auric Weaponsmith, an Umbral Edge, Lethrye Hideaway, and Fall Short. I took the Thrashing Dune Worm. Not
1: much to think about with that one, was there? No. <laughs> That's a great, I mean, I, I think it's a bomb. It would be categorized as a bomb. Mm-hmm it's its ability to just give i mean late game especially when you're getting up to a power plus it's just giving your entire squad killer and wiping their team out
0: yeah yeah and the being always?
1: a three four for four a three four four is actually a really good rate right now as far as um, a mm-hmm. defensive body goes there's not
0: yeah, it's uh, interesting. You know, the thing that the one thing that gave me pause, and I don't think we need to t- spend too much time talking about a Legendary, but the one thing that yeah. gave me pause is there's not a ton of killer in set five, I feel like. No. The uh, cards in contention for uh, pick two is uh, Axe Sharpener, Display of Honor, Carnivorous, Sauropod, and Mob Rule. This was a much less exciting pack, and I just took the Axe Sharpener, I think, as the strongest card in the pack.
1: Yeah, this is a similar situation to that second pick um, from the other draft by your soulmate, uh, where you you preferred the mono justice follow up to the smuggler, whereas they picked the completely separate colored sauropod, just going with the stronger card. So, just here you've got the display of honors, the absolute strongest card here, but the axe sharpener is the safest. <laughs> most mm-hmm. uh, most likely to fit with a thrashing dune or a worm of a card. So I think it that's you know this once again comes down to just you know how open you like to be. I, I think that I probably would have gone with the Axe sharpener as well.
0: pick three uh, there's an ancient excavator uh, which is the five time time four six draw a relic from your void on summon. There's a Starved War Lunk and a Karadin Steward. Um, and I took the Steward. Once again, I think it's showing my... This is probably... I don't know. I guess, what would you have picked here? I would have definitely picked the Steward as well. Yeah, I
1: think, no no doubt, Steward is a r- really, really powerful card. It's better than most of the Uncommons and even a handful of rares and stuff. It's just really... It, it does so much. Being a 3-4... Attacking in as a 3-4 for, for 2 is incredible in an aggressive deck, and being able to sit back and trade off for anything because of Deadly in a more defensive deck is incredible as well. So it's going to make it in all of your decks, and I think that we saw a definite trend of uh, Karen and Steward decks doing well. Even in our limited number of decks we received, saw quite a few copies of that card
0: okay well that's that's good that makes me happy to hear because i was wondering if you were going to say that ancient excavator just because it's sort of on color and it's keeping yourself a little bit more open but no yeah uh i
1: like the steward pick here you're still early it's the third pick and i I Mm -hmm. do i like picking the strongest card for the first several picks just
0: okay and then uh this is the last pick we'll do of uh pack one but um This is uh, pick four, and um, there's a Pompous Historian, uh, which is the four mana, three, three, time, time, uh, Summon, Draw, Sentinel, or Relic from the top five cards of your deck. There's Mighty Strikes, an Arachnidon Egg, a Bleak Basin Guide, a Barrel Through, and a Lethri Intimidator. So I think there's a few pretty good cards here, and this was kind of an interesting pick for me because um, I had, you know, based on my first three cards, which are a Justice, Shadow, and Time card, you know, kind of feels like maybe I should be, should grab a Bleak Basin Guide or a Lethra Intimidator. Yeah. Uh,
1: so you ended up picking the egg, right? I
0: did. I picked the egg. Yeah,
1: I I mean, <clears throat> the, the, an egg is a good card. I'd say with the buff, Lethra Intimidator has has gone up quite a bit in my evaluation. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably would have gone with that card. Just, it, it it combos really well with, you know, you've got two solid two drops already in Axe Sharpener and Karen and Steward. And being a, a just a single influence requirement unit, it's really solid. Um, but I also, I think it is actually pretty close with Egg here too. I,
0: think I went with the Egg mostly because you know, of my cards, the Thrashing Doom worm is the best. And so, you know, taking a time card over a Shadow card when they're close, I guess, felt a little safer. I do think that I would probably take the Intimidator now. And I think what's kind of interesting is me taking the egg here ended up kind of derailing the draft because it made me think I was in the Relic deck. And so I started taking primal cards instead of justice Mm -hmm. cards and that's not necessarily i think where the draft should have gone yeah because uh next there's a be gone and a sloth in the pack and so like the sloth kind of made me think oh hey see yeah the relic deck's open i took the be gone though but there were you know there's just like a lot of picks like that that made me think that primal was open without ever actually seeing a primal card so I took another Bagon and a Curator Spear, and just seeing a lot of Aurelian cards without actually seeing any Primal cards.
1: Yeah, so I, I think there is definitely a turning point somewhere. Somewhere like in my mind, it, it it rests somewhere around you know pick five or six where you start getting what I think are super solid signals that. You know, maybe this strategy or this strategy is is wide open. Taking Begon here, like Begon, isn't necessarily a signal. It's like a solid card that goes in time decks, but um, I would never look at it and say, "Oh, you know, this color's you know this faction's open." Whereas something like Oni Forge Master and Glacial Shaper, which are in this pack, very very highly sought after cards, especially Forge Master mm-hmm. being a premier two drop, is a sign that you know maybe that. That lane is open. It's it's hard to say you'd want to change any direction at this point with the Dune Worm, though, um, when you have a good card
0: here. Yeah, I guess what's interesting is at the end of Pack 1, the only Justice card I have is the Axe Sharpener, but the only Primal cards I have are... I picked up a Frost Wave and a Santa's Outrider.
1: So okay.
0: going into Pack 2... Those that's my justice card, and I have those two primal cards. And then, other than that, I'm pretty solidly xenon. What ends up happening is I sort of I I cut the axe grinder out of my out of my deck and started just focusing on the primal cards. And I think that was a mistake.
1: Yeah, you I think you stayed you stayed open as far as what you you know what you wanted that third faction to be which is yeah fine um, yeah well because I, it also impact two and three you're kind of it's it can be the same sort of waiting game to see what's open yeah. once again which is we, really a weird way to
0: that's what i kind of wanted to highlight is i definitely was zenin and i think i went too hard into picking um for example, like uh, pack uh, pack two, pick two. There's an icebreaker and a Valkyrie Arcanist. So I don't really have any good blue cards, um, more or less. Um, I mean, I have the Asanthas uh, Outriders, my good blue card, and I have my good uh, justice card is um, the Axe Grinder. And I picked Icebreaker because it was the only. Oh, and there's uh, an Porn Stranger. I picked the Icebreaker because I, w- I was like stuck in my head already that I was blue based on the signals I was getting last pack, even though I don't actually have any really good Primal cards. And I'm wondering now, looking back at this draft, if it actually wasn't the Argentport Stranger or the Valkyrie Arcanist. So this pick, you Primal, you do have the Hunting
1: Terry X, right? Yeah, I did pick that. Okay. And that I mean that's a really strong card. I don't think Icebreaker is going to make any deck. So I yeah. don't think that was probably probably not the pick in general. Um, I yeah, think I mean I had Stranger the Frostwave, so I was like a
0: uh, maybe there's a chance. There's some world.
1: Oh but. yeah, no. I, I could see that. It's yeah, but like, you know, that's that the same argument with having a card that's, reliant on too much synergy to be good like it's not just going to be good on its own it needs help whereas stranger does fix one of your colors which isn't it's not irrelevant um and you also already have two gone so you're if you wanted to dip back into justice it gives right. you an even better lane for that so yeah i think the stranger would have been the pick there the better pick
0: yeah pick three I think there was an Amarin armadillo so that was an easy pick because I was easy. yeah in time and then the next pack you know there's and there's no good there's no good primal cards in pack three and then pack or pick four once again there's no good primal cards but there is a bright Mace paladin um and an Arjunport instigator in shadow I I picked the instigator because I'm in shadow but you know, I think Bright Maze Paladin is a pretty good card. And I feel like there's just these little signs that are leading me back to justice that I was not seeing because I was so stuck on the fact that I was primal already.
1: Yeah, I think I probably would have taken the, the Skycrag Stranger, even though it doesn't do a whole lot for you just because at, at this point, like, I don't. I don't think... Instigator is really... Argent Instigator is pretty tough to make work, and you're going to have a lot of trouble landing it on turn two. At that point, you'd just rather
0: be doing other stuff.
1: I think, yeah, Paladin or The Stranger were probably good picks here.
0: And then to continue my PSA about not getting locked into a color, I think, uh, looking back, this is sort of an embarrassing pick, where this is pack three, pick one. I open a Thunder Giant. And then also in the pack is a Scorpion Wasp. And I took the Thunder Giant thinking I was definitely Primal as my third color. Scorpion Wasp is the pick here.
1: Yeah, I and, think that was... That, I mean, you get excited to see something that you haven't seen.
0: Yeah, before. and I mean, I think, you know, Thunder Giant is, I think, a bomb in the right deck. Like, it's yes. just unbeatable if you have the right deck. But, like, when I was building the deck, I was like, oh, I have, like, five spells I'm never triggering Thunder Giant. Two of my spells are begone, which is like defeats the purpose of Thunder Giant as I bounce the guy that I want to kill. And then to make me feel worse, uh, pack three, pick two, uh, there's an auric rune hammer. <laughs> I think the deck ended up pretty good, but I think, you know, this, you know, podcast is about improving and I think there's Just all of these decisions in draft, even when you're so deep that you think you're in sort of all autopilot pick. And um, I've really found that looking back on my drafts now that we've been doing this draft segment and then just seeing sort of these decision points where I've sort of tended to to end on the wrong side of it. And, you know, once again, it doesn't maybe make the deck bad, but it's not as good as it could be. I think this draft was interesting mostly because it it kind of showed me how open you still need to be, even though it's pack two, where I think oftentimes by pack two, I'm just autopilot picking any card that's my color when really, you know, there, you still could possibly have a flex third color and staying open, you know, staying open to that is still a good idea and, and keep keep and constantly evaluating, hey, based on, you know, these strongest picks of this third color, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I should be switching direction here because I don't actually have that many of my third color in this other color. So, you know, you still have a little bit of flex and even though you're in pack two, it's not time to go on autopilot. Okay, so that ends our main show. Uh, Once again, I just want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, please, if you have any uh, 7 Wind decks this next week, please send them to farmingeternal at gmail.com and I'll add them to the spreadsheet. We'll probably say your name on air and maybe we'll talk about your deck. And so now we're going to go to our usual now uh, constructed bonus segment. And just kind of talk about how Ladder's been with all of these changes. Bonus content. Yeah. <laughs> talking about
1: this crazy non-meta game that we're in right now. It's I, I feel like everybody, most not everybody, but a lot of people I'm talking to right now are frustrated with. Um, not, fr- not frustrated necessarily with uh, how wild it is, but just how they don't really know what's going on. I guess mm-hmm. I should say. it's it, You can't really prepare for a metagame of any kind. You're just kind of... it's There's so many viable decks currently being experimented with and thrown around that it feels like a, a dice roll with your ranked games where it's like, oh, all right, am I going to face a Rakano aggro deck or this control deck that just like slowly beats me down with Martyr's Chains or something? You know, they're just... Hit you from such different angles, but I've been experimenting myself and you know having fun tanking my rating. But
0: <laughs> I don't know how you've been doing. I'm I'm having a lot of trouble. It's interesting, you know. I started with your Mulesi deck and was playing that, and then I just really was not liking the influence requirements for that deck. So then I went into straight Argent Port and. You know, a bunch of people have been having success with Arjunport. Um, so I tried a couple of those decks. I first, you know, started with uh, Ilya Kay's um, deck with uh, Big Vara in it. And the Big Vara's just seemed not what that deck wanted to do. It felt tacked on to, to like, fight a metagame that he was fighting as compared to, like, the game plan of that actual deck. So, I bit, so then I made it more aggressive... Then I tried that Warhelm Argentport deck, sort of the Warhelm Winchester deck, and that I went ten, won ten games in a row, wow! And then, and then lost five in a row, won five in a row, and then I'm I'm in the middle of losing about six in the row right, <laughs> now. Man, you're
1: you're really hot and cold.
0: I know. So uh, I feel so, like
1: I'm I'm boring. I'm like. I'm, Win
0: one, lose one, win one, lose one. But that's actually, that's all I want. I just, like, I feel (laughs) like I can handle that better. It's like, when you're in the middle of, like, losing, after you win ten games in a row, and then you're in the middle of losing five games in a row, it just feels so hopeless. You're just like, this deck is so stupid. Um, So then I went back to to straight Argent port, and now I'm, like, I feel like I'm on the cusp of adding Alessi back into my <laughs> Archiport deck, so I think I've made it full circle somehow. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, you can do
1: an Alessi deck without Tavrod if you wanted to. Or, I mean, I saw somebody post a really great um, Time Justice Primal Alessi deck with, you know, the Levitate being great again, mm-hmm. um, and just all of the high-impact two-drops and Awakened Student and Hojin and um, the two-three that gets double strike for your spells um yeah yeah and dusk raiders it, it just looked really slick um so i i don't know that might be a better place to be for the metagame right now hit them really hard with
0: levitates and uh those decks kind of play like one turn kills anyway yeah. um which is which can be fun chatting with uh tall shark and handsome you know a streamer yeah and uh who's who real plays those blitz decks a lot and he was kind of down on them, which was surprising because I was feeling like that was actually my next next step after I put Alessi in this Argent Port deck and then decided I didn't want to do that. I figured I would then go, <laughs> go to this Blitz deck, but he, he thinks there's still too much life gain for it to be consistent, which uh, was kind of a surprising take to me because that has not been my sense. I think there is still a lot
1: of Vara running mm-hmm. around and puts cards like Stand Together in a bad spot. Yeah. And it can just be difficult in general if you're going up against decks whose game plan is to just play huge stuff and then recur it. Just play Vara every turn of the game <laughs> and like until you concede or manage to one-shot kill them. It's hard. When you're playing a deck like that, you want to be proactively just aggressively pursuing your game plan but the simple act of like playing a vara just shuts down so much of what you're doing i think that that's the kind of the test you need to pass with a deck nowadays is like can i just can i beat a unanswered vara mm-hmm. and also can i beat can i beat a vara while also progressing my game plan as well because if you're taking your turn to deal with it while i'm not really like establishing much or doing much it's not good too so i card you know cards like permafrost seem to go up and down with popularity because of that too but I, I think it'll it's interesting i thought the dust would have settled a little sooner it seems like the dust is it's just getting dustier. <laughs> mm-hmm. like the is just getting more and more crazy i i've actually was playing with um a praxis I posted it on a, on Warcry if anyone's interested. I think it's about as tuned as I could get this big Praxis deck. Um, it mainly focuses on playing Nova, Quake, Titan out of your market um, as a. It, it, I even ran three uh, Praxis Arcanum in the deck because I was ha- I was toying around with that card for doing things like reducing the costs of killing Titans and stuff and just running all of those big sentinels and having that sentinel-focused strategy. Mm-hmm. So far, it, it feels good. I'm about 50-50 with it right now. So it's the type of deck that just like tends to be all aggro decks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Praxis, in general, usually gives them fits. And I've I've gone to four what's called Mindstone Stone um, instead of like initiated. I've, I've dropped initiates out of those builds. Mm-hmm. Because so many people are just ready to kill your, your mana dorks, and they're just not as good as they used to be. I still run uh, trailmakers. I think just because they help smooth out the influence requirements for things like heart of the vault and stuff. But yeah, that's a that's a fun deck if you're interested. That has been giving me a reasonable amount of luck. It might be
0: even better at a lower. It could be better or worse at a lower
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> ranking. Do you have you have the Praxis Arcanum in the main deck? Yeah, yeah, I ran three of those main. Man, I this is a little off topic, but I <laughs> I I ran that in the replicator deck that I had been working that I constantly working on, and it's just, it's it's um, static effect is so powerful, but its spells are
1: so bad. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty lackluster.
0: The good part about it
1: is the reduction in the cost of yeah. the managing to give uh, moonstone sentinel haste charge is mm-hmm. uh pretty relevant. Yeah. And I run I run four moonstones main deck and being able to even I've had games where I would give um Novaquake Titan charge <laughs> and drop drop Novaquake like Bond Novaquake Titan silence bounce all their stuff and just kill them immediately with
0: yeah now, with that's that's and, good I think part of my problem maybe was that nothing I <laughs> I didn't want to give any I didn't really care if any of my replicators had charge but, uh, but even you know even playing
1: the Arcanum and doing something like giving a, tra- a trailmaker. Plus O plus four, four right is has, is actually was has been relevant like for helping mm-hmm. defend the Arcanum until like I'm glad you're having a good experience with it. Maybe I'm like I think it, it fits in that Sentinel deck fairly well just yeah. because of the the actual synergies with some of those random spells and being able to crank out early Grave Kiln Titans is quite strong. I know, <laughs> and, but and part here... of, of the Vault turn five, Heart of the Vaults and stuff i agree it's not it's not even close to the best of the batch but it's yeah. it's one i've been i've been playing around with tiny bits of success
0: i just feel it yeah it's like a lot of shift stone to test such an awful card yeah so okay so you're you're not sold on my practice arcanum into elvis swindler playing a free crown of possibility oh wow no yeah. that's super spicy i'm i i i like it all right for everyone who's made it through the bonus content too uh Thank you for listening, and until next week, remember to keep on farming. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah, okay. I'm doing you we're doing much better here. Last week, because Eleanor was really tired when I end, when we ended the podcast, it was also pretty late, but – Oh, yeah. There was um, – on our bedroom door, we don't have a door handle, so there's just, like, a hole. So she had, like, a sock stuffed in there, and then she <laughs> – She she had all of these clothes like stuffed in the bottom to close up the crack and uh, I was like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble.